You're listening to Inside Out with Turner and Seth. And like last episode, all the music, most of the music, will be from the Tabernacle Show, Green Sky Bluegrass, available on Nugs.net. Tabernacle last fall, um, 2017. Mm-hmm. So quick thank yous right up front. Well, let's start by saying thank you to Josh Thane. JoshThaneProductions.com. Migrant Worker will be playing at the Sweetwater 420 Festival. Where Inside Out WTNS will be uh, as part of the Osiris Podcast Network. We're going to be there hosting uh, some live broadcasts, some uh, interactive things, and a lot more details which we're sussing out, but we're just letting you know we're going to be there. So don't be square. And just so you know, uh, I mean, you got to get used to hearing this because it's true. We're excited to be part of a growing community of music and culture podcast called Osiris Pod. We are really fired up about this. So we're going to tell you every episode. It's at OsirisPod.com. Whole bunch of different podcasts, mostly music oriented, but also stuff like The Road to Now, which has a current episode with uh, about William McKinley, and they kind of parallel it to modern times. It's with um, I forget the two guys I don't have in front of me, but RJB and Tom Marshall started all of this, and I have a Tom Marshall, couple Tom Marshall tidbits for the outro, and I have Pensacola news for the outro. But Seth. Uh, wants to thank also our sponsor, yes. Polay Clark, the accounting firm. Folks, don't wait till April and get screwed. Yes. Call Polay and get to Polay. Oh, man. I always don't. ruin that. <laughs> so you're like Dylan. You write them, and then I'm like the dead. I perform them. All right. Well, how about this? Don't get screwed. Get Polayed. Simple. Boom. Don't wait until April and get screwed. Get Polayed. Yeah, you always find a way to make stuff unnecessarily long. I do. I noticed, you know, in listening to um, the episodes preparing for the 50th, <laughs> yeah, I do realize I, uh, I I step on my friend Rob Turner a little bit more than necessary, and I also take one thing that's just like the cat walked across the street and make it twenty yeah. sentences. Yeah, you got to be more succinct. But you did put together a great live event, and we need to talk about it here because we are so thankful to have. Um, he's got seventeen names, but it's Ben Galloway. Give us his other names. The Burl, we call him Burl. Burl. You, he's called Burl. He's also called the Colorado Colonel as Robert Turner. And Josh Thane also introduced us to the Hunt House in Marietta, Georgia, which Burl is a big part of running that, right? I don't know the ins he and is. outs. He's, well, he owns it. So, you know, folks, Burl comes from Colorado, and he... Uh, I want you guys to pay close attention to this episode about Burl. There's a reason why we're very excited to have him part of our next WTNS Live again. That's March 28th. It's Wednesday, March 28th at the City Winery in Atlanta, Georgia. It's Anders Beck and Burl. Now, see the thing about Benny here, folks. Listen to this interview, and you're going to hear uh, Anders talk about it much better than Rob or I can. Because, see, Burl has—he's—he's— He's set people on their course, such as the String Dusters, Leftovers, Salmon, uh, Green Sky Bluegrass, and wrote songs for like Yonder Mountain String Band and more. And he's like the colonel where he puts musicians in into a position, whether it's mentally or whether it's physically or musically, so that when opportunities arrive, they can seize them and so that other musicians can find them who have those opportunities. He's an amazing guy. And specifically to Anders, he kind of helped when he was in a band with Anders when he was young and Anders had just learned how to play dobro. Uh, Galloway really set the standard high for him with regard to songwriting and pretty much told him, look, if you really want to do this for a living, align yourself with people who really, really write great songs. And I think it's safe to say he's done that, Seth. He has. And look at the band. You go back to that band and again, listen to Anders talk about it. These guys met 
And what that was was just one little thing in time, but that spawned into leftover salmon, spawned into the infamous string dusters, green sky, bluegrass, and even yonder for some for part of that as well. And you look at that, and it's like, wow. You know, we go back to Sam Bush. Remember the episode with Sam Bush? We were talking That's, about uh, episode him being, eighteen. Episode eighteen. And he, what did I say? He's the he. If there's the Godfathers of uh, the, he's the there's the new grass, and I go, is he you the grand? He made him feel old. Is what he I did. called him the grandfather of of new grass or something. At any rate, the point is. is I mean, he's still young and, and he's just amazing. But, you know, like these, these, these are the new, these are the bands of the new blood that, that are running with a torch, if you will. And I also, uh, sometimes a guest will say something and I'll, I'll put it in my mind, but like, wow, I wish I could be a fly on the wall when that happened. And Anders talks about driving around Colorado with, uh, with Galloway and, um, and, and saying on every turn, there was another, another little story. That reminds me of Colonel too. Absolutely. So we, we want you guys to pay attention to this one, and uh, I want to reemphasize again, I know I said it a hundred times, but one of the most fascinating and exciting things about doing this show, other than being able to stare at Rob Turner's face as we record, uh, is is how these stories like this man come out of different musicians as we're talking to them, and all of a sudden paint something. And we're really excited to be able to help share that. And that's one of the reasons why we're going to be doing this WTNS Live on March 28th. Again, Sweetwater Brewery is going to be involved with this, as is the Sweetwater 420 Festival. And we talk in this episode also about Chris Pandolfi. Um, he's of the String Dusters. And um, we kind of, uh, the fan side gets to poke a little fun at the industry. Because the fan side and the industry side really poke fun at each other. I'm kind of on both, so I hear both both ways. Although for purposes of the show, I'm on the fan side. But we get the ultimate, one of the ultimate poking fun at industry side things. You'll pick up on it. We finally do get in the Wayback Machine. Because I love the way he initially decided to play Dobro. The way he was in, inspired. We talk about that. We talk a bunch about Leftover Salmon. How they how a certain concert experience changed him permanently. Um, talk about songwriting credits. And so much more. So should talk we just- about he was ju- he was judging a contest when uh, kind of the a, a early version of Green Sky played, and he, he had to judge them. And finally, we start with me talking about a guy by the name of Nick Forster. This is my radio geekery coming in a little bit, Seth. You're listening to Radio Geek Rob Turner. It's E Town. It's a syndicated show in Colorado. Love that show. Yeah, it's based on environment, and I've been listening. Caught on it since 91 because that was back when I was really into like Mountain Stage and the Dead Hour and all this different syndicated stuff. And it used to be a real quick show. And Nick Forrester, you know, they would have the little little segment for interview, mostly about the environment. And now it has changed. And this Nick Forrester is such a great. He, he hosts with, with his wife, Helen. I don't want to. She's a big, huge part of the show, too. But, man, he has turned into this great interviewer. And I uh, he. um crystallize things I'd been thinking and we talk about it right at the beginning of this interview about who Green Sky really harkens back to. Yeah, and Anders loves him as well. Anders, uh, he goes on and on about that. Um, Well, I do want to make one more mention before we go into this interview, Rob. All right. Camp. Green Sky Music Festival. Uh, Green Sky Bluegrass is hosting three nights of camping and music uh, featuring, of course, Green Sky Bluegrass, Jeff Tweedy, Mike Gordon, Trampled by Turtles, Billy Strings, Fruition, Rayland Baxter, Joshua Davis, Chris Jacobs Band, plus more to be announced. You can, can find out that? about this at CampGreenSky.com, and the event is taking place in Wellston, Michigan, May 31st through June 2nd. That is one fantastic lineup, and here's the rest of what I thought was a fantastic interview with the ever-affable... Anders Beck. Beck. 
This morning, that friggin' Nick Forster again, who's been blowing me away. E-Town used to be a half-hour show, and the interviews used to be really brief and surface level, and mm-hmm. now he has grown into, he does short interviews where he gets really meaningful stuff out of people really quickly, and that is an impressive skill. He mentioned the seldom seen, and that seems to be the most apt comparison. You guys totally remind me of the seldom seen. He was right. Yeah. That, that's the blue, that's our, they're our bluegrass spirit animal. For sure, like in the real blue traditional bluegrass, because they were, they had fun, right? Like you know, they would you listen to that live at the seldom seen live at the cellar door album. That's like, that's our holy grail because they're cracking each other up, yeah, you know, and like making jokes like into the microphone, hmm. you know, being like, <clears throat> like talking shit to each other while they're playing. They're like mischievous traditionalists. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> Say that ten times fast, Rob. No, jeez. <laughs> No, try it. <laughs> Mischievous trivia. No, done. <laughs> no. So, yeah, good. No, no. No, I was just saying that's that's. Seth's I, excited. I forget about. Uh, I forget about, sort of our bluegrass bands that were, you know, because we all started listening to bluegrass. We we like we all learned how to play bluegrass and like a lot of the. Like we're not great bluegrass musicians. There's lots of them out there. We're not, we're not them, but we all know, we all studied bluegrass. And, and you work it. your asses off, and the yeah. improvement they is visible. work their grasses off, and you're pretty, you're getting, getting pretty fucking good, man. But you know, people often suggest you do a Grateful Dead tribute or a Fish tribute. No, there's they enough do. of every those. show. Just no, I'm saying <laughs> uh, instead of that, how about a seldom scene? How about shining? You, you guys shine a light on leftover salmon at talking, Red Rocks, which, heads. by the way, when they got their first gig at Red Rocks, Seth. They requested yes. Leftover as their opener to put them in front, to shine a light on them. A very Colonel Bruce-like move. They shined a light on the people who helped them get where they were. Yeah. So how about a seldom seen tribute? Would that ever be something you would consider? Yeah. Well, if it, if it was to happen, you wouldn't see it a lot. It'd be seldom seen. <laughs> Shall we go way back, Rob? But that's a great way to get uh, respect and interest from beyond the jam grass, from yeah. the traditional grass. But which, yes. which is interesting, because like, those... Like sort of, you know, we don't, we don't, I don't know if we like need those. We used to. Be careful what you say. Yeah. (laughs) Beth Judy is listening. No, but it's like, it's so interesting to me that like people like. He's going to go full Pandolfi now. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't know. (laughs) You know, I made, you know, I made those shirts, the, the um, Pandolfi with the Shea. Hat, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, and Does I only do because of Seth told me about strings them. and soul. But yeah. yeah, I designed those. And I saw really? And I, yeah, because I was like, that's when Pandolfi was doing his when he was doing his IBMA keynote speech and wrote this like the manifesto. His manifest. He wrote the manifesto, and I was like, and I had this idea of like him being he's this revolutionary, this banjo revolutionary. So I made I had a friend design that image um, of him in like the classic Shea hat. Um, We'll put that on the uh, website on yeah. the episode page for it's, sure. Yeah, and it's now. But then, I, but then I saw it on this. Uh, some of the string dusters merch table. And I was like, "Whoa, no. <laughs> whoa, buddy!" Where's my cut? Yeah, I was like, "I made, I made some lot T-shirts." I don't see those. Yeah, hold on, hold on a second, going. Matt. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, yeah, we're just talking to Andres here. So, um, <laughs> what's that conference called? I, you know, we love irony on this show, and I'm pretty sure I'll get corrected if not. But what's that called? The International Bluegrass. 
Music Association, IBMA. Okay, there's one time where they're doing, where he's at this, and they're doing a seminar on marketing to the college audience, and uh, he can't even get you, in. Wait, well, hold on, were you there? Which is you? extremely ironic. A band, a bluegrass band that slams in the college circuit. What do you mean you can't get in? You can't get into the seminar telling bands. Did he not pay? Or I don't understand. Which, by the way, what are you saying? I don't understand. Which, by what the way, th- this is you know how uh, industry people often make fun of the fan side of things. This is the kind of stuff fan side make fun of the industry people about. Why? why would Anders not be in that seminar? Oh, in it, in it. So yes. you, were, you were you were a part of the festival. I was like, was at the, at- I was at the play, I was playing the festival or whatever. But you, because I wasn't a part of the IBMA or paid the ticket, <laughs> I'd pay to get. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just funny. It's just funny to see a bunch of people sitting around being like, "How do we get? How do we break into the college market? How do we make bluegrass cool?" Well, well like, I think I think what we first should do. get the hell out of this conference room. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna know, say like, save the money in the conference and buy Anders a beer and talk to him about it. <laughs> Well, really, you know, there's a thing called Facebook, and, and if you go on it, you, all, you should you first of all get an account, and when you're on it, you just have to start liking bands. That, that voice sucks. Do the Wayback Machine. That's better. I'm going to do the way, way back today in a banjo oh. style. Oh. <laughs> Wow, you must like yeah. it, man. That's a total bust out. I like that. That's, that's a bust out? Yeah, the inside out heads in. Nice. That's going to explode when this episode goes on. Bust out. We're in the late 90s. The guitarist, Anders Beck, has gotten, I don't know if he had the taste for bluegrass yet, but he was at Telluride Bluegrass. He's walking through, and he hears the sound of a dobro. Now, was this a dobro, was it a performance, or was it a session, or a workshop? That was a workshop. Which, and Douglas... Which, which the workshops are just there. It's just like all the best Dober players playing together. And like, yeah, so it's Jerry Douglas, Sally Van Meter, Rob Ikes. Um, yeah, maybe a few other people. And yeah, I was walking by and I was a guitar player and I was, I was getting into bluegrass. Um, but I'd been an electric guitar player and started playing acoustic guitar. Started getting into bluegrass with my friends. And realized that I wouldn't, I wasn't good at flat pick bluegrass guitar. It wasn't my, wasn't gonna work. And I heard the, I heard a dobro, and I was like, literally, I was like, well, that that's it. What that's the thing I want. So you went over to the tent. Yeah, I always <laughs> thought you did it because of the name dobro. Dobro, just did some dobro. Um, Cost but, you some dobro to buy a dobro. Oh, yeah. So you went in, go up front. I mean, I, I want to know about like that experience at that workshop. Yeah, no, I just, I just, I mean, I'd heard the sound of it, but that's kind of the extent. I hadn't really ever seen anyone play it. I didn't know what was making that sound. How old were you? Um, Roughly. 20 20s, something, early 20s. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, it like, I was like that. It was like, it sounds like an electric guitar. Or, or it has qualities of an electric guitar on an acoustic instrument. Yeah, you call it the electric guitar of bluegrass. Yeah, and yeah, and I was like, that's that's it. And none of my friends are playing that in our in our <laughs> you know, which and is another which is either. yeah, which is another key to dobro is like. At that time, once I started playing it, nobody else was playing it around me, so people wanted me to play with that. Like nobody wanted me to play guitar anymore. Is my point. But literally the next day, I went back to Durango. Colorado where I lived and went to the music store and bought a dobro like that's a, that's a place you buy a dobro in Durango it just sounds right yeah it was right apparently like having, <laughs> also a good place to have the hot chili peppers in the blistering sun indeed 
No, so we, you were living in Colorado. For, yeah. I thought. Didn't you live in Michigan for a while too, or is that? I, after? I moved to Michigan for after Durango to join the band. Okay. To join okay, Green okay. Sky, but I was in Colorado before that. Um. Yes, yeah, so I bought a Dobro and started playing like six hours a day. And do you take lessons? Um. No, I I went to. I took some lessons from. I guess I took some lessons from Sally Van Meter. I guess I did. You did <laughs> my, really. My first answer was no, and then my second answer was yes. <laughs> what was that like? Um, cool. She's awesome. She's like, she. If I had to, if I had to put, if I had a slow song, then I, or if I were like a songwriter and had the most beautiful song in the world and needed Dobro on it, I would call Sally to put her then get her on it. She's just got this touch that's amazing. Um, and she was she was she was really helpful because she was pretty strict about being like, "No, you suck, and this is why you suck." Because the difference, the the difference between a millimeter, you know, you're playing with a slide, and the difference right. between a millimeter of where that slide sits on the strings is not right. You know, it's it's close to the right note, but it's not the right note. Which, and, if I may, that's why Derek Trucks is so amazing. The single note shit is yeah, ridiculous that he does. He yeah. <laughs> and then I, but I also remembered I took I took a lesson with Mike Aldridge too before before oh, he wow. died. Yeah, I was in I was in Philadelphia at home visiting my parents around Christmas, and I knew he gave lessons and scheduled a lesson with him. Went to his house and played dobros for a while. And at the end, he said, "So do you, he was like, so do you want to like, should you?" Are you gonna pay me or something? Like I didn't, I didn't get, I didn't understand it, but I think he, I think he had fun too. I guess is maybe the part, you know. And I was like, yes, I'm absolutely gonna pay you. <laughs> like, I didn't just come to your house to hang out. That's could why. I, could I have? <laughs> I, know, I think that's why you're like, uh, did I take lessons? No, because you still owe money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is it all daunting though when you're that young and you're just starting a new instrument and trying to break into a world that's about virtuosity to a certain extent? It's, it's a good question. Yeah, it still is. I mean, it's still weird. Yes, it was it was hard because you're trying to be you're trying to be all flashy and shit like, and it's like the actual real bluegrass is still about virtuosity like, and we're over it, you know, because we weren't for a while it made us nervous, but we're not anymore because we get to play the tabernacle. Well, that and also I mean back in the day I mean back when you were twenty the the majority of bluegrass music festivals are very traditional mm-hmm. and you had like magfest and springfest and things mm-hmm. that kind of break out of the tradition and you go you know, your campfires and whatnot but now bluegrass like your type of music in the in the in the uh, instrumental side is appreciated at the more mainstream music festivals so there is that shift mhm yeah there is and it's in, it's really it's interesting to me you know to think about the fact that like we're we're getting people into bluegrass music is cool, you know. Like that's what I I, th- I always think that Olden in the Way never got will will never get enough credit for what they did for bluegrass music because it was Jerry and it's this hip it, like real bluegrass people are like oh those hippies playing bluegrass they you know they they're like that was just a band on a personal level yeah. I've been a deadhead since I was a kid one of the most amazing and gratifying things over the years. Is thou there's a whole genre of music that I swear to God Jerry is the source of. Mm-hmm. It's people finding the dead. Oh, Jerry played banjo, olden in the way, and now we have you guys. We have yonder. We have Redwood. Oh, remember we talked about it's with amazing. Sam Bush, right? Remember we talked with Sam, and we were talking about you know the father of bluegrass and Sam Bush being the grandfather of bluegrass. Now <laughs> he loved that, Seth. <laughs> yeah, 
But you know, he was that next generation, like when Newgrass, and now you guys are like the new grass, new Newgrass. Yeah. But let's get back to how you got in all this. Help me on the timeline. You, you see leftover Sam and Enrico, and then you end up in a band with Benny Galloway, Wayward Sons. Yeah. Well, that was <coughs> that timeline is a little weird. Let's see. Before, leftover was a big inspiring moment, though. The Rico Colorado leftover yeah, show, right? Yeah. What are your memories it's funny of that? I tell Vince and Drew about that. I'm like, I'm like my first show that I went and saw Leftover Salmon. I was like, that that, that was my first that was my first show, and it it wrecked me. <laughs> like I, I remember, I was like, my my real reaction was, "You're allowed to do that?" <laughs> like for, seriously, <laughs> no, 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 that's my total reaction. You're I was like, "You're you can have that much fun playing music." Yeah, and I was like, "You can have that much fun." It was really it was really important moment for me, um, and like the the fucking show ended with like. Um, it was crazy. It ended with like everyone was in a in a conga line, and yeah, you got to go. Up, you got to go to the front. Of the, you got to go to the front of the stage, sing your own wake and bake into the microphone. That you had to go under a. <laughs> it never go, happened at the dead. Never. Not you, had to, you had to go under like a uh, what's that? What's the thing? You know, hamburger. No, the. Uh, <laughs> oh, like the, the yeah. What's that called? Um, limbo. Yeah, you get to go oh, under. Limbo. You get to go under a limbo thing, oh, yeah. and then you could sing your line of wake and bake, <laughs> and then you had to go out, and then you par- they paraded out to the street where there was a fire burning in the middle of Main Street in, in Rico, Colorado. Main Street. It's if it's at midnight, there's no cars going through anyway, but it is a highway. And there's a fire in the middle of the street, and they're jamming out there, and I was just like, this is. F- ridiculous i love this and i told those guys that that was my first show and they 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 kind of just laughed and like shook their head being like oh god you were there you know like we were hoping no one was we were hoping no one remembered that you know like they were late and it was yeah that's that they really changed me so then how do you meet ben galloway how do you end up in wayward sons well first was broke mountain oh broke Mountain was before that the Pawtucket red Sox of the jam grass world that's right yeah, that was... Let's check this out, bro. Yeah, you're listening to Sports Radio with Rod <laughs> Turner. No, but who was in that band? It's uh, from... Um, you guys had Andy Thorne, John Stickley, Robin, who's who's with... Um, who's Robin playing with now? Robin plays... I think he's just himself right now. Oh, okay. And Travis Book and uh, Robin Davis is the one I was talking about. Yeah. Okay. So, That's so a yeah, dusty it's, there. Yeah. So it's, m- so it's me. That band was me. Travis, who's now in the Dusters, the infamous String Dusters, Andy Thorne, who's now in Leftover Salmon, <laughs> and also was in um, I forget Larry Keel. He played with Larry. Yes, for a while. he played with my boy uh, Larry. That's how could I forget that? How would you um, forget that, Rob? John Stickley, who's my now bad. the John Stickley Trio, was a badass band that's rising f- quickly, and then he's at the, Stickley's at Strings this year or now? Yeah. Um. And then Robin Davis, who's probably the best musician in the whole band, and just kind of does his own thing in Durango still. Um, so yeah, we were all in a band, and we we're probably like, I mean, I was mid twenties, early twenties, which will be looked back at in another twenty years as like, you know, you can look at like the forefathers of this modern. Yeah, people are gonna be people are gonna be chasing down recordings of that band. I know. If we they're did, not already. It's so <laughs> weird. You are too, right? It's so yeah. <laughs> it's so weird because we thought we were cool. Like in it's it's getting to be a little hindsighty, you know? Like 
it's starting to get there because everyone's like, wait a second, you guys, since everyone left and did their own thing that grew into these amazing, cool musical things, now, now we've all kind of gotten bigger in our own worlds. People are starting to look back and be like, what? So share guys, a memory. You guys, all, you guys all started together. Um, share a memory from that era then so we can, we can well, ink man, it in. It, it, I was working in a music store in Durango, Colorado. I probably just started to play the Dobro within like six months earlier or something. And these two guys come walking into the store and proceed to pick up instruments. It was like this cool acoustic music store where you pick up stuff and play the great instruments. Canyon Music Woodworks. And these two guys proceed to pick up instruments and just rip the shit out of them. <laughs> One of them was Andy. Right. The other was Rick Hawkman, who was in the band before Stickley and they were visiting from North Carolina on their spring break from college to go skiing in Durango and I was like excuse me who the fuck are you guys (laughs) what are you doing being my age and playing music that well bluegrass music that well and they were like we just get here to go skiing or there's a music store and so that night we all we set up a jam. I was like, "What are you guys doing tonight?" Let's jam. Set up a jam, and then did it again the next night. And then said, "All right, you guys got to come back in the summer. Like, we should make a band." And they're like, "Cool, we'd love to come to Colorado for the summer." You know, I was like, I, "You know," and that was it. That's how it started. And Andy, Andy and Rick and Stickley, sort of when they taught us how to play particularly Travis and I and Robin taught us they taught us how to play bluegrass the right way from North Carolina not Colorado pussygrass <laughs> you know which is like a genre it's a real genre and I was playing it it's, it's you know it's just like hey Jerry Garcia himself used to drive across the country to go to bluegrass festivals in North Carolina yeah. West Virginia yeah it's different man um and so yeah they they I mean they lived in our basements and they lived, you know, they came out and lived in our, you know, crashed our floors for a summer, and that was the start of that band. And then we won a Rocky Grass band contest. What about uh, which meant which meant that we had to they had to come back next summer because we got a bet, we got a gig, you know, nice. we won won this band contest, so it had to keep going for another year. What's the chance? I mean, you guys tend to be at the same place at the same time. Yeah, ever want to kick I. it up again? Strings and soul, like, this, why why not just you know do an impromptu late night wayward revival something because Brooke Mountain. Broke Mountain Revival. Oh, Broke Mountain. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, because of the name. <laughs> because. <laughs> well, and yeah. again, mountains. You, we know where you record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Maybe that's why you. Everyone's like, that. yeah. The, the reason we 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 want to do reunion shows, we want them to be awesome though. Like it's been it's been you long enough time to practice. It's been long enough, and it's been long enough and we think it's cool enough that we should when we do it I think we should really kind of honor it yeah. and to just say like okay we're all in the same place at a festival yeah, let's do let's ahead. do a late night on the B stage or something and the move would be to invite them all to Camp yeah, Green Sky and that, do it there just plan, yeah. plan, it, plan it out right and, you know make string that's something Strings of Soul could definitely use in my opinion no Camp Green Sky I don't Camp Green Sky <laughs> keep it in the country keep it in the country well, yeah, you start but, it there and then you the, do it in the country yeah, right. the I'm invited we I'm wanna, not we want to do it 
<laughs> we I'm not yet been what invited. are you not allowed out of the country no I'm not, invited, not allowed to strings and so on it sells out in like 8 minutes <laughs> well, and I'm pressed for damn it fly me out there <laughs> they're not yeah. interested in our podcast do you wow. pay to go there no <laughs> well kinda I mean, but the amount of money he spends while he's there in my le- my liver, have a t-shirt my liver pays <laughs> uh, um, Camp Green's guy oh well oh, okay. <laughs> but, we, but we are talking about doing a reunion is that Vent fucking things up? Does that matter? No, we got no, amazing no, it's engineers. Just, it's just a jet airplane. Don't worry about it. We're, <laughs> we actually moved the recording. We're now over here at the Atlanta, uh, yeah, Atlanta Jack- Hartsfield-Jackson Airport. Airport. We're on the tram. Uh, at any rate, though, so reunion's possible. <laughs> yeah, we want, to do, we want to do it. I think we want to do like a tour, do like a couple shows. That, you Makes know. sense. And, and like, you know, from the weird other side of it, like there's value in it. You know, so just being like, hey, let's do it. Let's just do it because we're all in the same place. Like we will do it. We do we do it backstage or in a hotel room or on a bus. We all jam together, you know. But it's like sunrise at the beach. You know, right? Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> um, but we want to make it something big and cool. Okay. And then, Go ahead. No. And, yeah. And then so we that we all sort of started to split ways to go do other things. And Brokeback Mountain, the movie came out. So I was being in a band called Broke Mountain when Brokeback Mountain came out. Tough times. You guys could have no, tough man. You could have made tons. Man. You could have made tons. People, would, you, you could have been playing all the pride parades. To a George <laughs> Michael set. Yeah, I mean, you guys could have. Yeah, and we, a bluegrass band. You could have played on Hey. <laughs> <laughs> See, once in a while they're. Yeah, once in a while your jokes work. That's good, man. <coughs> Rob, need some water there. Are you okay? <laughs> so, I'm, but I'm. Uh, but, so, but so, but yeah. So we all started going our own separate ways. Ben Galloway. Ben I'm Galloway. excited to talk. Yeah. He's here in, Atlanta, in Georgia now. He's got a venue, and I'm starting to oh, feel... Oh, you about Benny? Yeah, Benny, Burl. yeah. Burl. Uh, Benny, I'm sorry, but I'm starting to hear about him from so many different musicians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely. seems like the Colonel Bruce of Colorado to me. Dude, you just nailed it. I haven't even thought of that. What's he doing to Marietta, then? <laughs> the Colonel should be in Georgia. That's yeah, the, no, 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 that's like saying the Colonel when the he Colonel. went to Pensacola. When There's Colonel an Hampton lived in Pensacola. <laughs> There's an opening. Stay here, Ben. <laughs> or it's not, I'm, and I better learn how to. It's Benny, not Benny. Uh, they call him Benny, right? Yeah, Benny. Right. Yeah, like but Benny, his name is Ben Galloway, right? Yeah, Benny Galloway. Okay, okay. Burl. But that sounds Ben Galloway sounds like a Palestinian, or you know, I'm like learning some, some like you know, sheik or something. Dying to have Galloway. him on the show. Dying to have him on the show. Well, why don't we go over to the studio and do something there? He'll how be, did you meet he'll him? He'll be here tonight, probably. How did you meet him? Um, and how did you start the band? And was there any overlap between uh, Wayward and? Yeah, he was there for the whole thing, basically. Um, he was teach. He was. I met him. He was like a. He's an anomaly, man. He was like. <laughs> he he was a he was. I met him. He was like a meat cutter at King Supers, which is the grocery store. Like the chain grocery store in Colorado, he was behind like the butcher counter, and someone was like, "That's, that's Benny Galloway," and I was like, "Benny, like." The guy that just that yonder just recorded an album of all of his songs. Yeah. That's that guy. There's the music industry. What are you you're talking in? about? You know, because they just released this album called Old Hands, which is a great album. It's all Burl songs. So Burl is Benny. I'm just gonna get this out of the way. Burl is Benny. So when I say Burl, that's who I'm talking about. But there's yeah. different concepts. Like Burl is like when you say Burl, you're probably talking more like the the writing and the you know like the that that's Burl. But Benny's like the guy you hang with. No, uh, reverse. Yeah. Burl's the guy you hang with. Oh. Burl. Way to be tapped in, Seth. <laughs> Benny's the Benny's the guy on the album. His is the guy on the name of the songwriter. But he's gonna get new names in Georgia, by the way. But go on. Um, so he was so he was like really 
he was encouraging to all of us younger musicians and he's got he'd be great to do a, sh- a show with because he like we, like he, so he did this with us he also did this with Yonder when Yonder showed up to Colorado from Chicago and like we're those guys were like we, we're moving to Netherlands we're gonna start a band Burl would like feed them because they didn't have any money to buy food and like Jeff was like I'm a vegetarian and Burl said, "Get the hell out of my house!" <laughs> you know, like, and then he said, "He's like, he's like, you look like you're starving. I don't yeah. care if you're vegetarian. Eat this, like, eat this elk I just killed. Like, you know." Oh, but he killed something. it, so it makes it all better. Yeah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah. it was a little it was a processed sourced. elk. Yeah, but so Burl's a hunter, a fisherman, a butcher, a song, one of the best songwriters there is. Kill and eat hunter. Yeah, not a not a trophy hunter, right? <laughs> just want to make that clear. Yeah, There's a big difference. Well, oh, but a Colorado hunter, so kind of Hunter S. Thompson is. <laughs> as long as you stay chill with the guns. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, he's no, he's like, he's the man. What was know. it like to be in a band with him? It was, it was good. He taught. So we used to do these, kind of like every. I think it was every Tuesday night we would go to his house. Travis, Travis Book, um, Chris Becker, who's a, still writing songs, and myself and Robin, we'd go to his house for like basically songwriter camp. Oh, cool. And that's when I realized, and he and he'd be like, "Nope, that sucks. This is good. This is why this sucks. Work on it." In softer language, right? No. Oh, really? Not at all. I've seen seen him make people cry. People like, "Can I play you a song? See what you think about it." (laughs) I've seen him make people cry. Oh wow, that's awesome. Did he make you cry ever? <laughs> no. Because if the song sucks, the song sucks, man. Like, you might as well get to the point. Oh. Like. <laughs> Why don't they do that to writers more? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do. I mean, I mean. Oh, yeah, we do. Okay. Um, I hope we don't make him cry, though. Uh, we didn't make a lot. He didn't make a lot of people cry. He was, but. Um, Some people are looking to cry. <laughs> All right, who, who do you make cry? I can't tell you. All right, we'll ask oh. him. Wait, no, we're pressed pause. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Blue um, But. But then, uh, and that's when I sort of realized that my role is not to write songs. Like, my role is to make songs better. You know? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a lyricist. I'm right, not. but is there some point where your input is such, so central to the melody that you're like, hmm, maybe I should get a songwriting, or that they offer you a songwriting credit? Yeah. But, well, hold on. Do you, do you have, how's that work with your songwriting yeah. credits? What's um, the tipping point? Um... <laughs> the tipping points when we remember to do it, <laughs> but it I mean, there's like so, like don't lie. Don't that lie. that song, I wrote. I have writing credit on that song with Paul, because that lick, that melody is something that I was, I had, I was writing, and then he was writing the other. He had written this other song. We put them together into one song, like the instrumental part. That's like pretty central to the song, right? It's like, um, it's the hook.
interesting as someone that like writes hooks for songs. I'm not sure what the tipping point is for when I become a co-writer at this point. Um, it's kind of every band's perspective. I mean, some bands we've talked to some bands that they they give writing credit to everyone in the band. That's string, uh, string dusters. Yeah. yeah, to kind of n- eliminate the gray area. Yeah. Well, let me ask you. So, why have you never even dabbled with lyrics? I have. Oh, you have. Okay. Yeah. Because Arlo Guthrie says that it's like fishing. You just got to have your line in the well, water. And apparently, his lyrics are like fish too. I've been waiting in the Colorado River. River. <laughs> um, all no, I want I, is all I want is a taste of some edibles for free. I've got, I've got, I've got. You know, I've I write down notes of things that I find interesting, like ideas of lyrics and. Just do the same thing with melodies, you know. Um, I don't know what will ever become of them, uh, but like side project. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting cause the way Paul writes too. He's just like writes down. He's just always writing down shit, <laughs> you know. And and then hand and pen, uh, pen and paper, or uh, iPhone. Both, you know. And then all of a sudden, it's like something, you know, something, something comes out of it. That's <laughs> cool. You guys spend time sending each other like just late night, you know. Well, we skipped ahead. ahead a little bit. He's in Wayward Sons. When do you okay. first hear Green oh, yeah. Sky? Oh, yeah. So, so I'm in a band with Burl. After Broke Mountain, I started a band with uh, Wayward Sons with Benny Burl. <laughs> Benny Burl. Benny Burgalway. <laughs> and, and so that was the Wayward Sons. We made an album that was pretty damn good. I like it still. Um, and then went on tour for a while and realized that we were not a band that should be a full-time touring band. Why? just wasn't for everybody in the band. Burl didn't love it, and he's the one that sing all the songs. Um, and, you know, if it... You know, we're playing, like, shitty bars, and it was, like, wasn't what he should have been doing. We tried. We sort of tried to piggyback on the success of that album that he did with Yonder. That's still hard to fill a room up with. Yeah, Totally. Was he still working at the store through all this, or were you trying to pull him out of that life? He was... What was he doing then? He was probably... No. He had not done that. I don't think he was still butchering. Okay. <laughs> One time we were driving on the road, I saw the biggest... I was like, I was like, man, look at... That's a lot of... I was like, we saw the biggest... I was like, that's like the biggest herd of cows I've ever seen when we were driving down the road California. somewhere. I don't remember where it was. Stretch, yeah. yeah, and I was like... And he goes... He goes, <laughs> I butchered 10 times more cows than that. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I'm like, what? And it's just like, driving through Col- every, every, every time we drive through Colorado, it was so fun because every corner that you turn, he's got a story about it. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's, yeah, it was a great, it was a great time driving around. Do you ever do cuts of meat quizzes with him, like the old Letterman show? <laughs> no. Remember Letterman had the cuts of meat? Well, so you know, I, I didn't know that because I've been coming up with this idea of like, you know, I'm, I'm just throwing it out there again. But so like, you know how I do the stuff at Strings and Soul, all the activities, right? Mm-hmm. One is I wanted to do in the stage on like that theater. Is, and you'd be a great co-host on this one. But we go ahead and we have a couple contestants up and they're blindfolded. And then we have these beautiful women in bikinis feed them meat. And they feed them, they, they feed them the meat in their mouth and they have to guess what cut it is. And then, but they don't know that these, you know, they take off the blindfolds and they say, oh, was, you know, they find out. And then we reveal who fed them. And it's like, what? And the whole audience is laughing and cheering because of the beautiful women, of course. But, the, right, but it's they, the mystery meat, you know? And then, of course, we throw a mystery Mexican meat in their mouth, too. That seems real safe. Isn't he fascinating? <laughs> we're going to go ahead and cut that out of the interview. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, do you guys edit? Do you guys edit this? No, we no. don't. <laughs> and I love <laughs> negative feedback. This is a question I should ask at the start of the thing. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we, we request something, we might. Yeah. We're an hour and 20 into it, though, so uh, if uh, we already lost your lawyer, he's not listening anymore. Yeah, I want to talk about some of the artists you've collaborated with and just some of the early days of Green Sky, too. I mean, you heard them first. Mm-hmm. You hear of them winning the, the competition. What word were they winning? The Telluride New Band competition or something? Was yeah. it 07? Yeah. Were you aware of them before that? Yeah. We No. Actually, no. I was a judge in that contest. <laughs> and they performed for you? Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, you're not supposed to. <laughs> Did you vote for them or against them? Uh, I, was, I was only a judge in the preliminary round because I was playing the festival with the Wayward Sons. And? and I was a judge in the preliminary round of the contest. So it's not like I've... <laughs> you were like, nah, they're okay, but if no, they had some I, dope, no, bro. I remember... I remember, <laughs> I remember <laughs> I remember writing... Was um, that the comments, really? <laughs> no, the comments was... You, have to, you actually write comments on the... There was like a real, it was like a real contest, you know? And that's what they do in bluegrass. And I remember writing down... Like... I'm pretty sure it was like... It was so like, you need a haircut? It was like hippies. Or like total hippies. <laughs> great songs. Or total hippies, good songs, great banjo player. Or something like that was my... Con- I remember that was what I wrote down when I listened to them play three songs as a judge. And didn't know them. Just yeah, it was like hippies, great, great banjo, great songs or something. Those are like those are my three descriptors of the band. And then so they made I I they were one of the three bands that made the finals. I didn't judge the finals. And then later, yeah, so they won, which is cool. And then later, I met them and we'd hung out and we did some shows together. And I, like I said, the wayward the wayward sons weren't a full time touring gig so I needed I wanted a full time I wasn't done I wasn't ready to hang it up so um, he went to them so. I did I went to them and said hey you know what you Bold. need you know what you need me <laughs> and how they respond to that who <laughs> no <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no I mean I I, I sort of I, I said well, you know what I was look, I was looking to be in, in another band and said I thought there's their songs were really good like after working with Burl I needed a, a band that was like that had really good songs because that was the key to the Wayward Sons can I get back to the Colonel thing yeah Burl prepared him for what he needed to do for his oh, career yeah. oh, like the Colonel good. does yeah with musicians here and abroad and everywhere man you're we'll right have to, you're, we'll you're have right. to keep that subject going you're yes. right about this Bur- you're right about Burl being the he's the Colorado <laughs> Colonel man wow Colorado Colonel I never thought about that that's cool it's mine too I'm gonna trademark that before this is released yeah when I said it I actually just trademarked it yeah but I'm the one on my lap on my phone right now already trademarked it <laughs> Wait, isn't there implied um, <laughs> what is it implied like when you play a song live yeah, you have implied yeah. trademark mm-hmm. for a certain amount of time mm-hmm. we'll have mm-hmm. to ask our lawyer about that but yeah. Yeah. we all have the same lawyer I would say we all have the same lawyer this sucks <laughs> God. but he's not listening right now God, so I hate okay. the music industry yeah. I hate it um, so so yeah I, and so I asked them if they would be interested and they said yeah let's do a couple shows so we did we did like a tour leading up to we did like two weeks of tour where I was a special guest basically and then at the end of that tour, we all decided that it was good. <laughs> How much rehearsal before that tour did you get with them? How much did you really get to go through stuff with them? I just did all my homework. And then. They sent you songs and you learned it on your own. You didn't get a rehearsal with full band rehearsal at all? No. So that's trial by fire. Yeah. 
I just like yeah, I just like literally went to like archive.org and downloaded everything they had ever done and learned it. And jumped in and did it well. Without, <coughs> yeah. That's impressive as hell. Let's not gloss over that. That's impressive. That you had sharp... to go to archive.org? That is impressive. <laughs> this guy's a sharp fuck. I mean, yeah, I guess. It's weird. It was bluegrass. It's like, yeah, I was, yeah, really, I was really good at music. I was really good at bluegrass at that time. Like, right, I, but there's nuance. I was on top of my game. Players have nuance. Yeah. You could be amazing and still not gel. You and could be personalities, amazing. Personalities. Personalities. Yeah. Like, those just... Psh- it was connected perfectly. Yeah, that was one work. of the reasons. So I said, I said, I was looking for bands that I could fart with. Yeah, <laughs> I was looking for bands that I could spend my life in a van with, and also that were killer bands that had good songs. And you know, it's looking back. I mean, in hindsight, now that like it's going. Pretty, right, it's obvious now. It's going really well. Like yeah. I, I still feel weird saying it because, like you know, whatever. You can just say I'm at the Tabernacle, bitches. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of like. But now that it's going so well, I look back on that decision and being like, I am picking that I wanted to be in the in Green Sky, like, and the reasons that I wanted to be in that band. I was right, you know. Like I thought the songs were great. And I thought they were great musicians, and I saw this like potential in what they were doing, and it's. You know, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn. No, I'm just saying. I'm comes. just saying it's amazing. Like I, I, I was right. <laughs> what about the way they listen to each other and the way nobody's ever too loud? And and I mean, there's a real good sense, as good at players as you all are. There's a real good sense of no one taking over too much. That seems to be a big unspoken strength of the band. Would you agree? Unlike us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, it's kind of that's we all share sort of the same musical interest where it's like maybe someone is leading but it's like the the group the group jam idea is really strong that's why us. they're playing the tab and we can't get a date at city winery so uh, well, that's, a, that's a difference well he was he was gonna he was going to do our first city winery one yeah i remember but that. then he said you know i like you seth I don't know that guy Rob Tumo. <laughs> yeah, I think I hung mean. out with him once. Right. Did he ever hang out with you, Rob? Uh, yeah, that's why I'm wearing this shirt. Yeah. Oh. I like that shirt. So this Rob is, has a... Yeah. It was Jam Cruise. And we kind of get into Rob's Jam Cruise. talking about Jam Cruise? Well, it, there's a lot of great about Jam Cruise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's festive and all that stuff. But this whole world we're in, there's often a struggle between... There, there's, a, there's a peaceful coexistence between partiers and music freaks, but it can be a struggle at times. And Jam Cruise is the ultimate example where the party side has won. You know what I mean? It's more the party. It's more people. It's very frustrating to listen to Steve come out play a wonderful passage when someone's screaming about how awesome their costume is. You know what I mean? So there's this place <laughs> called The Spot that Nathan Moore hosts. Mm-hmm. And that's where I met you. You came down and offered your talents and Paul and played a whole bunch. And, and, and I've been kind of keeping an eye on your band ever since. You've done nothing but blow up since then. It's the magic of Nathan, I guess, maybe. But um, have you guys ever covered Nathan Moore? Yeah. Which song? Yeah, wait, you, you actually, you made um, notes. I think you're thinking of a different band. No, Grow. Nathan Moore was in the band with this, that, what's her name? You know Colorado. Remember Nathan Moore's band and they had Grow Your Own? Grow Your Own. Uh, you got the, it. Grow. I mean, what, what was the, oh, what the hell was that? Yeah, that one. The Slip? No, but they played the same time with The Slip when The Slip first was doing what? their stuff. I forget the name of that band. You're not uh, talking surprise, Mr. Davis. No, before no. that. Go back to the first Nathan Moore bands. And the girl. Oh, I know. The girl. The old band. Um, yeah, what was the girl. His band? She was an- amusement. Amusement. Yes. The, the, the amusement. The amusement. Yes. 
Thank hey, you. Good hey. job, guys. Hey. Wow. We did it. <laughs> Three brains. Somewhere Nathan's smiling. Yeah. What song of his did you cover? Uh, Catch Me a Jesus. Nice. Yeah, it, it, I, was, uh, we were, I wanted to open the second set with it last night, but it got vetoed. Do it tonight, Paul. <laughs> Do it tonight. Um, <laughs> or is that on the Sunday only song? No, uh, it just it just wasn't the right song. It was I it got vetoed because it wasn't the right song at the right time because, because it, was it, was, it, was, it was correct. Um, you can't play that in Alabama. <laughs> no, you can do whatever you want anywhere. If you could play it here and give a shout out to Nathan, it would be helpful to try to get people in Atlanta interested in Nathan more. I would be I would be forever in your debt. Maybe more interested. More interested in more. All right, then you write the fucking set list. Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> set list though. no, I can't. There's only a couple bands I can do that for. All right. Um, so any Bob Weir project. Um, can you talk about Tear Up and Crossroads? Um, th- you know, as I get older, I'm rarely envious of musicians anymore. You know what I mean? It's more, <laughs> I respect the hard work and I enjoy what the beauty they give me. But here's Anders facing this way. No, he turns this way and there's Phil Lesh. Turns this way and there's the people who, who got him there, right? That's got to be an amazing, amazing moment. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> um, yeah, playing that show with Phil. So I don't listen to us very much. Like, I never listen. I rarely, rarely go back and listen to anything we've done. But you but, listen to this? But that show with Phil, I listen to, like, every couple of months. Because musically, it's it reminds me of what is good in the world <laughs> and like what we're trying to do um because we played his song we played dead songs but also he learned sure. he learned our songs and to hear what phil played over green sky songs is just beautiful well before um, the first one all four mm-hmm. okay because phil everybody talks about how he's a lead bass but he rarely takes leads right and there's one moment where you guys all got his real quiet the lead bass. and then it was like you were turning it was like you compelled him into a solo is that accurate yeah, totally. I mean, from a, a yeah, I was crusty like, deadhead who gets sick of watching all those things, it's moments like that that are the most interesting, and that's you made a great use of the opportunity, in my opinion. Yeah, and I had I had that. It was like right before my soul. I was just sort of like, go, buddy, or like you know, and it's just sort of like if we just give him enough space, it's the perfect because he plays he plays so much, and I don't mean that in a bad way. He plays so much. Yeah, right. It's fucking awesome. What he plays is amazing. Yes. Um, but like to hear him do that over our stuff was just. It was really, really spectacular. I was excited about it since the time it got announced. And like, you know, walked into that room and I see Phil's rig set up next to my rig, and I'm like, 
fucking start crying, you know, like it's a big deal to me. Um, Phil, like the Grateful Dead is the reason that I get to do the reason that I'm at all doing what I do. And then to get to play music with him, our, my music and his, and Grateful Dead music was fucking heavy as hell. Um, and it was really, really special. Um, May I offer another special moment? Sure. He's about to cry, Rob. We're going to have a moments here. Um, but Bob, what? And then also, so one of the songs we sang was "Black Muddy River," and that's we didn't know that that was one of the songs we wanted to play with him. He he just said yes, and we didn't know that he rarely, rarely played it. Right. And then he said that that's after there's one right after the show, one of our friends who was listening to the stream sent us. A um, an interview, like just a screenshot of an interview where they said they asked Phil for any any songs that were really hard for him to play after Jerry died, and he said Black Money River is the one I just don't touch. Wow! And we didn't know that. <laughs> well, the thing was, and then the, we played it at Soundcheck, and he played the most beautiful ver. He played the most beautiful shit at Soundcheck of that song, and he hadn't like hadn't played it except for maybe a few times since Jerry died. Yeah, when he came out of the coma. And return to the stage. That was the masterpiece that came with him. Yeah. And the f- I didn't see the first run, but that New Year's run, especially New Year's Eve when he played it. I mean, the room was heavy with, I don't know, what we almost lost. Yeah. We got nine bonus years. Yeah. And that song embodies it. But yeah, uh, that's what's so cool about music, you know, when you can like go right back to that moment. Fucking flatten people with music. It's yeah. Just, it's the shit. I love it. I'm really, really thankful that we get to do it. So, you guys are coming out of another one of your songs, Don't Lie. Mm-hmm. And Hoffman does, like, the most subtle little... You listen to this a lot, right? Hoffman does... I think it's Hoffman does a subtle little eyes thing, and Phil picks right up on it, starts doing that bubbly bass, and then you guys ease right into it. It's so, so beautiful. Yeah, it was pretty good. <laughs> But do you think if you had, like, going back to the solo thing, if you had said to Phil beforehand, hey, let's do this, he would have said, no, no, don't do that, that you almost had to spring it on him? The solo, where he uh, really led and you, you guys all fell way back, which is something, again, even I'm, in Phil Eschen Friends, he doesn't do all that much. Yeah, I'm and, not, and never did in The Dead, pretty much. I'm not sure if we would have, if we would have said, like, hey, take a bass solo. What is rea- <laughs> I'm not sure what his reaction would have been. Um, well, you should have just stopped and go. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> <laughs> But he, he's he's an amazing musician, and I think out of all the all the members of the Dead that are still playing music, oh, he's know. he's getting he's getting he's like getting better. It's amazing. Like he remembers he's a, his lyrics. He's a genius. I'd love to see his projects rehearse a little more, but other than that, I'm on board. Well, with how 100%. can they? they? There are tons of different musicians that show up at like backstage at a festival. He can find a way. He's got the means. Mm. Yeah, I mean. I, I yeah, I like to see a lot of things, but he's like, he's into he's into the he's into the music. I think the beautiful thing about he plays, the, he plays songs at the right tempo. Uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, slower tempos offer more of a of a uh, rap dog kind of vibe. No, of a <laughs> what is it that a canvas? Oh. And they allow more room for a build, right? Well, that's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> Nice shorts, Rob. 
All right, uh, we got to talk about Tim. He produced two of your CDs. Tim. He's a guest on our show, Tim Carbone. There you go. <laughs> um, it's a funny thing. <laughs> at the risk of being, I don't know. You guys you have a member of Rare Wood Earth produce your two albums as you blow up beyond Rare Wood Earth. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Yes. <laughs> that is that weird and all. <laughs> uh, and I love Rare Wood Earth. They're one of my favorites. I love Rare Wood Earth too. <clears throat> but the um, numbers are the numbers. Um, you guys are doing amazing numbers, and they continue to rise. You're the talk of the industry in, as far as jam brass goes. It's fucking weird. <laughs> um, that is what it is. Uh, yeah, it's coming it, from the fan, by the way. <laughs> uh, Tim was awesome. Tim was a great producer. He helps us grow musically a lot, but he also he taught us how to just you know he helped us kind of learn how to think musically, you know. Um, and he's just he's, he's just Tim. He's like the he's like kind of got that. Burl side of it is like he's just like it's like that's not fucking cool this is fucking cool like do this don't do this it's like oh if you want to do this do that you know it's just like he's he was a great producer um, and he he took an interest in our band which is really nice of him to do and I would think the ballads would be where I would look to someone like that the most because I think Redwood Earth is maybe the definitive band in the jam scene as far as exor- uh, telling the story of a ballad and, and yeah. executing it really yeah, well that's, that's true they I think of them as one of the few bands like I liken them to the Grateful Dead in that they can play a slow song and it's great without Doberos complaining <laughs> without yeah. without you know without losing their audience like think about it in the jam world who plays slow songs not enough nobody and you, some bands if they try to their fans rebel on them yeah it's go biscuits well I love when they sing ballads those boys easy but but so Railroad can play a slow song. They can play a slow song. Yep. And they, the Grateful Dead could play a slow song. And, and there's no fear there. You know, right. it's like they can do that. And that's what, I, that's what I think is amazing about that band. And their fans shut up and listen. Yeah. And you guys play a lot. I mean, you guys have... You, not only do you tour occasionally together, but you also play festivals like Strings of Soul. And you've got another one. This one in Vegas, uh, the Jamboree. That, that's a new one. Yeah. And that's got all your... All your friends there. Yeah, that's. I think that might. I think that's gonna be cool. Vegas, baby, Vegas. So Rob, you got. Yeah, there's one a ton more. more. No, the, the, the one thing about, and then and then one thing about him personally. Okay. One more thing about the man. The last thing will be about the hardly strictly bluegrass because I have that Rolling Stone quote mm-hmm. that needs to be read. Tell about that experience. What was that like playing that? That's a one of a kind event for sure, right? Yeah, it's cool. Um, we haven't been asked back. <laughs> I don't I wonder why. I'm not sure why. That's what bizarre we, because after the last time you played, here's what Rolling Stone. This I. This is the greatest They nailed it. And Rolling Stone, a great publication. They don't always nail it with with jam bands, but here they do. Perhaps Fricky. No, I don't think so. Frick. Perhaps the true spirit of the festival was most embodied by a group from Michigan called Green Sky Bluegrass. Much like the festival itself, Green Sky are hardly strictly bluegrass, and yet they're representing the genre for a whole new generation. Mm. Congratulations, brother. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. <laughs> That's what I thought when I read that. <laughs> right on. Nothing no, was wrong like, with that. Yeah, I was like, I was just like, I could see that. That's going on every. Po- yeah. Representing the shirt. genre for a whole new generation. I was like, that's going on every poster for the next year. Fuck yeah. Did you put it on a poster? <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Rolling Stone, that quote. I mean, come I on. Bet. All right. Um, but, but no, I was like, I, was, I remember I was getting on the plane leaving that festival and our, our manager sent me a screenshot of that piece of text and I was like, 
Holy shit. Rolling Stone. Thank you. Well, yeah, exactly. Have my almost famous moment, you know? Um, it's not like some jam band website with some 22-year-old, you know, Green being Sky all Bluegrass. excited. They're the best. They they played last night, and they totally rocked. Here's and they covered... Seven. No, they just say what we... The, the headline is always what it's like. Green Sky covered... Green Sky covered Prince and the Grateful Dead last night in right. Atlanta. And it's like... We also played a whole fucking show that was pretty cool. <laughs> or Green Sky, pun- <laughs> you know. Like, or what about this one? Green Sky punished the people who didn't come by playing a great show. Let's make it clear: you never look to punish your f- any fans that aren't there. You're only looking to entertain the oh, ones we that do, are there. We do. Oh, you do? Yeah. Oh, my bad. No, we looked. I thought only fans. the dead did bend over, Rob. No, that's no, that's no, that's the fish move. That's old fish move. Salt Lake City. The, 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 yeah, I was there. Uh, I was in Vegas. I did not see <laughs> Suck it. Hey, Vegas was good too. <laughs> yeah, sure. Cool. So was Dark Side of the Moon. Sloppy. <laughs> Sloppy, but spontaneous. Right. And it didn't matter because Amazing. it yeah, happened. And if you were there in, in the I was half in the, soul. I was in the seventh row with like this much dancing. Yeah. Like, wow. this is a lot. For, for your listeners, um, this is a lot of room. Yeah, that's like an orangutan <laughs> room. Yeah. Arms. It's all in the middle of Harpua, too. That's just. Uh, but yeah, so no, we, we've definitely, we definitely uh, messed with our fans like that. Like, you know, that's and that's from the Fish Playbook. They used because never was, miss a I Wednesday saw, show. Because I saw like every, <laughs> I, saw, I saw every Fish show in '96. You know, like I, so I I, I learned. Um, Is that the chessboard year? Yeah. Uh yeah. Yeah. Well, no, was '94 was actually. No, yeah, no, that was. Right, was yeah, '94 chessboard. Yeah, it was '94 chessboard. Yeah, it was, was '96 was, was after that. Yeah. Oh, okay. '96 <laughs> is in light here. Yeah. Yeah, and so I really, really, I learned, got to learn that, like on that fall tour, I got to learn that like, you could, those those Tuesday nights in Omaha can be some damn good shows, <laughs> you know. Like, when you um, cover fish, are your fans all up your ass to do it again? And does that get annoying? Yeah. So does that make you <laughs> not want to cover them in, moving forward? Yeah, except, yeah, I, most covers. That's the problem with a good cover. It's like we covered it. We, we like you, you do a good cover and people want to hear it really badly and then you're like right. like we or the first things we did like we one of the first big cover things we did as we were sort of growing up was like China was China Rider and then like everyone was just yelling for China Rider and we're like well we don't like this feeling anymore why, why are you yelling for someone else's songs <laughs> you know like um but like for me Rider is way over covered yeah totally. no need to hear anybody do that at that point, right? Yeah, but China, Rider. even weird. <laughs> but but for us, the part of it was that it's like, oh, everyone in bluegrass plays Rider, but nobody plays China. So it's like we're, you know, nobody plays China Cat. So how about China living living over? We've done, we did a, uh, done China Cat into Midnight Rider. <laughs> Now, speaking of See, covers, that's funny. That's funny right that's there. Funny. That's funny on the set list. <laughs> the sound that you're hearing. That's covering the background noise right here. The bass is that uh, your opening band tonight? No, that's Duvall. Ah, okay. He's warm. That's he's, great stuff. He's practicing. Oh. Maybe you could do a little dark star for us. <laughs> <laughs> you suck. Hey, Rob, we gotta wrap it I up. I forget what I was gonna, but but let's get to the the final thing is sure. about your parents who were uh, tennis pros, uh-huh. and they knew Arthur Ashe. Yeah. And they founded, helped found the National Junior Tennis League, which Seth has become the model across the country, despite having the, the stigma of having been started in Philadelphia. <laughs> That's wow. true. 
No, but that should be a source of pride for you. Can you tell us what that is? And why you don't play tennis. <laughs> and, and they are also environmentally conscious, and they instilled an environmentally conscious side of you, which kind of was part of your initial days in Colorado. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny, because I, I did an interview where I talked about this, and now everyone wants to talk about it, which is interesting. It's impressive. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad it's impressive, because my parents are cool, you know? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, they, they started a lot of, a lot of really awesome, like, uh, sort of non-profit stuff based around sports, tennis specifically, um, and they kind of instilled in me that doing good in the world is important. Like, it's not enough. Like, for example, they're real happy that my band is successful, but but then their real reaction is, what are you going to do with it? Like, what what good, what, you know, what good are you going to... That explains your relationship. <laughs> and point out to them that drummers can be the most wasteful members of the band, and you don't have one of those. They're always replacing and throwing crap away. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so, and you know, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm th- I think about that a lot. Like, what, what can we do? And we're, we're, we're trying to figure out what the best way to do something awesome is. Like, and we don't want to go half-assed into, into something like, you know, whether it's our own nonprofit or charity or something. You're, like. you're tied to philanthropy, uh, you know, with with your lady and with your manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, sure. Well, you can briefly mention um, the, what she started in Colorado. Oh yeah. Hillary started a level, which is her her kind of way of bringing together organizations that, um, well, bringing together businesses more mostly because of what we know in the entertainment in the entertainment industry. You know, helping them to define their goals for um, for for being charitable, essentially, you know, and hooking up with nonprofits, hooking businesses or bands or promoters or whatever up with nonprofits, like sort of the middleman type of thing. It's pretty cool. It's a really cool idea. some of the other members of Green Sky? Well, you know, I gotta be as honest soon as with possible. you. As I always say. Yeah, that's another one of those sayings I gotta stop saying. Yeah. I gotta be honest with you. You you, you know why you shouldn't say that? Because let me say... It makes it seem I'm, like you're breaking format by uh, being honest. Uh, you should be honest all the time. And you should say, look, I'm gonna be... You should point out when you're not being honest. Hey, uh, look, I'm gonna lie to you now. Uh, I've never... You know, something like that. 
Well, Paul was a little bit offended that we interviewed Anders instead of him. He wasn't offended at all. I I wouldn't believe that. He seems like a pretty easygoing guy, (laughs) No, but Paul Hoffman's very excited to uh, join us at some point um, uh, in the podcast. And uh, by the way, I I know I mentioned this on a prior episode, but I got to tell you, the listeners, that Green Sky, they are such wonderful humans. Uh, We really had a lot of fun with them, or I did at least, uh, at the Strings and Soul this year where we did poolside casino where all the band members were the dealers and we did it where they were doing like uh name that uh pick a hand playing the game wars like griswold style and it was really funny but those boys were just on it uh you know rolling the dice uh, shotgunning beers i mean the whole deal very very playful very very great and we raised some money for positive legacy and the seth weiner fan and me can't wait to see what game you come up with for uh for the Inside Out to Us live event, which is, what is it, March 28th? March 28th, City, City Winery. Winery. And uh, I'd also like to point out, if you like this episode, Vince Herman of Leftover Salmon was episode 46. We also have a tweener episode with Drew, Drew Emmett. And Sam Bush is episode 18. Check that one out. And if you like songwriting... What about the dusters? Uh, I mentioned that last episode. Let me see. String Dusters is episode 48. Railroad Earth is episode 41. And episode one is just Rob and I. Yeah, Seth is really proud of that one. And, but Great Peacock doesn't get enough listens. Episode 10.989. If you love the songwriting and, and the little country feel and, and jamming, uh, these guys are great. Check out the Great Peacock. Come on. Two new songs are now on Spotify from the band. They're releasing songs here and there. So definitely uh, Great Peacock. Check them out. Uh, and the, yeah, they're. We're loving our continued growth. Thank you all so much. Our episode 50 has, has really no names on it. It's just a compilation. It's getting a ton of listens. We're getting gradual growth. It keeps up with thanks to people like Scott Bernstein, who gave us more social media love. Thank you so much, Scott, of Jambase and the Yum blog. Uh, Jambase also has its own podcast now. There's a nice interview with uh, oh, uh, Ivan Neville is in one of the recent episodes, someone that hopefully we'll get to soon. Wonderful stuff. Again, we're part of the Osiris community. OsirisPod.com. It's a growing community of music and culture podcasts. A whole bunch of different stuff. OsirisPod.com. Just go there and check it out. We're going to be spotlighting different ones. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to tell people also, if you haven't done so already, go to InsideOutWTNS.com where you can sign up for our newsletter and see a list of all of our shows. And we're going to, we've got some reviews that Rob put on there, links to some other stuff. And we're going to continue uh, building on this site. I think in the next couple of weeks, we're going to start doing some more playlists, uh, um, what Rob's been researching, yeah. what Rob's been listening to, and also what Rob's taking a shower to, which is kind of weird, I know, but it happens, folks. And my writing experience and... Uh Going to write for some publications and write just for us and maybe even write about what a pain in the ass it can be to write about music. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, one thing I haven't mentioned in the show yet, uh, it is auction season and I am an auctioneer and I am your rocktioneer. And you know what that really... That's my turn, by the way. It is your turn. Rocktioneer. Um But, Rob, uh, we mentioned the podcast happening at Sweetwater 420 Festival, but what I haven't mentioned is uh, that we don't have the name yet for it because uh, we're finalizing it with Sweetwater 420 Fest, but by the time this airs, we'll, we'll, we'll be announcing through our social media the auction tent, and the idea with this is I'll be um, setting up an auction, and what we're going to do is I'm going to be connecting with the bands that are playing 420 Fest, let them choose their charity, so ideally you know, 20 bands for 20 causes get it 420 420 causes and we're gonna uh, procure a bunch of different items and here's the catch 
it's going to be mobile bidding. So even if you're not at Sweetwater Festival, I love 420 this. Festival, you'll be able to bid on some of these items. I've talked to a lot of different folks Explain about procuring. Explain this. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, have, you get an app? Yeah, yeah. I'll, we'll put it out there. You'll be able to text a number, uh, you know, 420 or something like that to a certain number. It will link you to an app where you'll be able to uh, register to mobile bid. And you could set your limits right then and there like you would on eBay and get notified if you get outbid. But you don't have to be present for some of these items. And these items will include things like autograph memorabilia, limited. Uh, Limited edition photo prints, tickets to sold out shows across the country, other festivals, all sorts of stuff. Uh, and hey, shit, while you're out there, folks, check out Sweetwater 420 Festival. Go online for sweetwater420festival.com. See the bands there. Maybe you happen to have something you want to donate to one of their causes that we sell in the auction. Let us know. Inside out, WTNS at gmail.com. Be more than happy to take on whatever you might have. And if you're uh, involved with a nonprofit and you're looking for a benefit auctioneer i'm your man so we got pensacola news but before that one last thing on osiris because uh, our founders are rjb and tom marshall lyricist from fish and i wanted to point out a couple things that beyond the pond that on and off the show i've been raving about this podcast it's probably the one i've listened to the most but they did a three-parter with tom marshall called from genesis to revelation you know fish fans you want an insight of how some of these lyrics are sourced, you really, Tom talks about the music he listened to when he was young, just before and around the time he started writing with Trey. So you, this is really interesting stuff for the fish side in me. Beep, 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 this is a news ticker. This just in. It's just, while we're recording this right now, this just in, Fish Festival's announced. It's called Curveball, and it's going to be their 11th festival at... Uh, uh, Glen, Glen's Falls. Glen, uh, no, um, Watkins Glen. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, and for those of you that are interested in going and working in exchange for your ticket, WorkExchangeTeam.com. We have our fan staffing program uh, that's there this year once again. So excited as can be to be working with Fish again. Um, so yeah, WorkExchangeTeam.com. Please check it out and. Just, I mean, literally, just got announced as we're recording, Rob. And Tom Marshall actually was announced earlier today. But you found you heard about it before Tom did even. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I heard about it. I just assumed you knew. You usually know, know stuff before I do. Like Fish at Fenway, you knew before anybody, too. Well, when I'm working a show, I know weeks ahead of time. I just can't tell you because you have a blabby mouth. No, you have a blabby mouth. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> uh, now it's time for the Rob and Seth fight. <laughs> Seth couldn't hold a secret. It was in a Macy's bag. Ooh, I popped that Under bag. the Scales, season two, episode one is out. Wow, when really? I, yeah, and when oh. I saw her, it was the Pinsky Triangle. I thought it was going to be Dr. Drew. I was like, wow, Tom Marshall got Dr. Drew. But apparently, to some, even better, Jason Pinsky, who worked with Fish huh. for yeah. many years. He's old school. I think you know him personally, right? I've met him, but I don't know him. Like so many of these people in the music scene, I've met him here and there, but Seth knows him. Very, very Tell cool. us about Jason. What do you know about Jason? I, I don't know him that well, but I, I'm... I, it's I, apparently a raucous episode. I've not yet listened to it, but Tom is back. Uh, that is probably the... RJ was the first podcast of all of ours, but Tom, I would imagine, is the most popular because that whole fish connection. Again... I, I love I love the Tom's uh, Under the Scales because every time... It, it's not... I, I, I got to be careful how I sa- sound when I say this, but it's like Andy Bernstein, Andy Gadiel, uh, Benji Einstein. You know, like, the, these are all our friends. The Benji Eisen one? I just call... I, I, I want to call I gotta, him Einstein. <laughs> I, I got Einstein. <laughs> I got to say this one thing. Benji's this hardcore fish fan. Right, and uh-huh. he he 
gets in with Kreutzmann and gets the job in. Or, I don't know, it was a job initially. He just starts hanging out and they start doing acid and all this stuff. Really cool story. But the funniest thing to me is when he's talking about Fairly Well happening. And so he's backstage as an employee running around and he's picking and choosing oh, and laying yeah, low yeah, about yeah. when he's going to tell Trey about it, when he's going to reveal his hardcoreness. And that, that was, I really love that part of the podcast, the way Benji walked us through all that. And I, yeah, I don't remember what episode it is. I'm sorry, but it's under, under the scales. It's easy to find. Under the scales.com. I love his website too. It's, uh, it's, you know, I, I like how he, uh, diversifies his, um, his photos and images. And I also, uh, noticed Rob, he did a two parter, uh, with a Holly bowl, but bowling, bowling, how do you say it? And <laughs> Holly bowling. And it's episode 19 and episode 20. So two parters kind of like this and two different episodes. So there you go. You and we that. leave you with how um, Green Sky Bluegrass closed their second set at the Tabernacle show that we've been playing throughout all these. Every live piece of music, except that little snippet of Paul and Silas last episode, has been from this show. Go ahead. We also have, uh, where do we, in, within these episodes, we got snippets of some of their studio material, Right, too. and this was one of the studio songs, because I, I, I just love the way Anders crushed the solo, and then we kind of bonded over it in the interview. But now, here's the live version. This is, to me, so far, again, I... I <clears throat> Been kind of passing interest in Green Sky for a few years and just lately starting to really get into the titles of the songs and everything. This is my favorite Green Sky Bluegrass song so far. All right. Well, folks, enjoy. It is called Living Over. Your Pensacola news. I'm so sorry, Seth. Have you heard of the Pensacola Bay Center? No. June 1st, John Fogarty and ZZ Top. Let's go to Pensacola. Let's do a road trip. See some of your old people. Record stuff for the podcast. June 1. Can you do it? Oh, wait. That's the Green Sky weekend, too, isn't it? Well, Rob's going to be in two places at one time. We've got to do something that weekend. I'm right, keeping that I'll weekend say. open. We've got to do something. We'll see, Rob. Remember, I have a wife and a child. Uh, On that news, though, here uh, is Green Sky Bluegrass.
long did it feel right? What if two is too many to fight? Are you gonna be a rich girl for all your life? Give up your sense of truth for the night. It's gonna take chances to keep us alive. The chances are looking slim. Baby, what die or maybe we'll live.
up this man, side sister will ride, and a little bit of alimony to leave behind for all my loved ones and I'll go flee dead. It's gonna take chances to keep us alive, the chances of peace. Oh, maybe we'll die. 